right, take your Bibles and go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be tonight. Well, that's where we're going to start tonight. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. You can go to 1 Peter chapter 1 if you'd like, but we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 19 down through 24. Let's all stand together if you would. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if... When you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did, did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to be here tonight. It's good, Lord, to hear good singing. Thank you, Lord, for that special. Thank you, Lord, for the congregational tonight uh, singing that we were able to do. Thank you for putting a song in our hearts. And uh, Lord, it's good to have a song in our hearts when we're in church like this. Good to have a song in our hearts even when things are pulling on our heartstrings and, and uh, there's difficulty in the way and there's some genuine, honest-to-goodness suffering going on. It's good to know, Lord, that you put a new song and a good song and a sweet song in our hearts that we can sing even during those times. We pray that you would bless this time together as we take a look at, at the, the subject of suffering. And, and Lord, just why is it that you allow us to suffer, and especially uh, during times when we're trying to do right? We do pray that you would guide and direct and bless, speak to our hearts tonight, and as you speak to us, uh, Father, may we respond to you with a yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, what I want to speak on tonight is, is uh, why uh, do we suffer? Any, and God gives us an, an example of two kinds of suffering. I think one of the, one of the hardest questions sometimes to answer is uh, why, why did God let something happen? Uh, you know, recently um, there was there was there was a death of a really young basketball player, Kobe Bryant, uh, passed away, and he passed away. So did his so did his, his daughter pass away in in a uh, helicopter accident. And you you look at that thing, and you realize, and I do. I mean, we know. Could God have prevented that? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I don't know. Any, I don't really know a lot about the man's life, and. And, and so forth, what God was trying to accomplish through that thing. And, may, you know, maybe it, it happened and uh, uh, God did prevent it uh, for various reasons. 
but when, when it happens to us, it's one thing when it happens to somebody else, but what about when, when suffering comes into, into our lives? So there's, there's two kinds of suffering, and, and God talks about it here. Look in verse 20. He says, he says, For what glory is it when you be buffeted by your faults, you take it patiently? Now that's the first kind of suffering. That's suffering that is deserved. That's suffering that is for our faults. Uh, sometimes it's because we sin. Sometimes it's because we're undisciplined. Sometimes it's because we made, make bad decisions. Quite frankly, sometimes it's just because of our own stupidity. Okay, And, and we, we, when those kind of things happen, we still don't like it, but we, we don't really struggle with that because we understand that. And, and, uh, and, and this also includes things like what the Bible talks about, about chastening over in Hebrews chapter 12. He whom he loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. But it's the second part that sometimes causes us to scratch our heads. And that's down there in verse 20, the last part of the verse. It says, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And this is, this is what, for lack of a better term, I call undeserved suffering. But it's suffering while you're doing well. Sometimes it's while you're doing well. Sometimes it's specifically because of the good thing that you, that you did. And, and, and here's the thing. The Bible says that this is, this is more than necessary in our lives. Look, at, look down in verse 21. This is the follow-up to that thought. Verse 21, for even hereunto were ye called. Now, you know what? If, if, I, if someone had told me before I got saved, if you bow your head and trust Christ as Savior, and you need to understand you are walking into a calling for suffering. Ugh, I'm glad nobody told me that because that might have that colored my decision. But the Bible does say that, and, and it says that based on this. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for my sins. He never sinned at all. And the, uh, the, the, the question, why should he suffer? Well, he shouldn't have had to suffer, but he did. And, and he chose to, and he wanted to. And he wanted to be the sacrifice for our sins because that's what was necessary in order for us to have forgiveness. And the point is, is that if Jesus, who didn't deserve any, any, any suffering because he never sinned, if he suffered for us who have sinned, then how, how much more are we called to do the same thing that, that he did and to, to follow in, in his steps? And so we're going to take a look at, uh, at, some, at some reasons why God allows us to suffer, not, not for our faults, not for our sins, not for bad decisions, but why do we suffer when we're right in the middle of doing right? Sometimes it's for the right. Sometimes it's while, just while we're doing right. might not seem to have any connection with the right that we're doing, but nonetheless we're doing right and, and suffering. So let's take a look at some of those, those reasons tonight. First, first uh, off, go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. John chapter 9, and look with me in the first, first three verses. 
John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. It says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? By the way, that's the same thinking, that was the same thought that Job's friends had when they saw Job suffering. Well, you know, if you're suffering, there, there had to be sin. And, and notice the Lord's answer, verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. One of the reasons why uh, suffering occurs while we're doing right is so that the works of God can be made manifest, and so God can strengthen us, and God can end up getting the honor and the glory for it. Go, go over to, you're in John 9, go to John 11. In John 11, look in verses uh, 1 through 4. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then he dropped down to verse 6, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So he did not rush right to Lazarus' side. He abode two days. Down in verse 14, says, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Uh, when the Lord Jesus went and, and raised Lazarus from the dead, was there any doubt in anybody's mind who got the honor and who got the glory for that? Of course, there wasn't. There wasn't any doubt at all. It was Lord who did it. But he had to die in order for God to be magnified, in order for God to be strong on their behalf. And, and what that did is that gave glory to God for his ability to be able to raise Lazarus from the dead. God allows us to go through suffering and, and go through pain and go through difficulty so that he can come alongside and strengthen us, so that he can, he can get us through those things that by ourselves we could not get through, so that other people can see it, and so that, so that uh, uh, he, can be, he can be glorified through the whole situation. Uh, grace in those kind of situations, what we talked about this morning, grace is made extremely evident when a person who's trying to do right goes through suffering, and God carries them through. So the Lord is, is made manifest, and the Lord is glorified. Another reason is that it causes us to love God more. When we go through suffering, when we, when we do right, it causes us to love the Lord more. Now, why is that? Well, because of, again, because of the grace that God gives us in order to go through that, that suffering. When when Paul got the thorn in the flesh, 
Uh, he embraced it. When Paul got the thorn, uh, obviously he didn't initially. He, tried, he asked the Lord to take, take care of it and get rid of it. There's nothing wrong with that. that that's a, a natural response. It's not a wrong or a sinful response. But what do you do when God says, no, we're just going to let, let uh, my grace be sufficient for you in this kind of situation? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I was talking with someone here just the other day. I think it was last week. And uh, they made the comment. They said, you know, there was, there, when, uh, when, uh, when I was a kid, I was getting all kinds of instructions about how to, to handle puberty and how to handle the you know, changes as you're going into the teen years and all that kind of stuff. I appreciate that, but you know what? Nobody ever taught me anything about how to get old. <laughs> and really, that's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. And, and that's difficult. And can I tell you one of the reasons why it's difficult? Not that I'm speaking from experience, mind you, because obviously I'm not even close to being there yet. But uh, when, as you get older, you start losing stuff. I, and I don't mean your keys and all that. I mean, you start, yeah, you do lose those too. But, uh, but you, you, start, you start losing some abilities. Um, I, I, it really hit me in the really hit me in the head when I read Brother Gipps' uh, latest newsletter, and he said the doctor basically has said you're never going to get rid of your headache. Well, man, I don't know of anybody who is trying his his best and his hardest to serve God than Brother Gipp. He's a good guy, man. His wife's sweet. They both love God. They're working hard for him. Uh, they're not letting the years stop them. Man, I appreciate that. That's, that's a real blessing. That's a real testimony. But what do, you, what do you do when all of a sudden you're told, this is going to be the situation for the rest of your life? Well, you can either get, get upset and you can get bitter, you can get mad at God, I suppose, because he allowed it to happen, or you can grab a hold of his grace. And when you grab a hold of his grace, it causes you to, to love him more. The more you experience the grace of God personally, the more you love God because you see him helping you through those, those situations and through those struggles. It helps you deeply appreciate what Jesus Christ did for us. And, and uh, therefore, it, 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 it draws, draws him really closer to our own hearts in love. Another thing that uh, suffering for doing well does is it, is it tries your faith. Go to Luke 7. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And verse 1 says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house... The centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy of that, 
thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and, and turned him about, and said unto the, the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they, they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sent. Now, that centurion's faith never would have been tried and never would have been perfected and the lord jesus never would have would have, have said i find I've, I've not found so great a faith no not in all of israel understand this centurion was a was not a jew he was a gentile and here here jesus is praising a gentile in front of the jews for his faith and saying that his faith is greater than any of theirs, uh, faith that they had. And uh, that none of that would have happened had the servant not gotten sick. Obviously, the centurion concern, was concerned about him, cared for him, or he wouldn't have been there. But uh, you don't know how, how strong your faith is until it's tested. Anybody can have faith when things are going well. <laughs> Anybody can. But what about when, what about when the, the, the rug gets pulled out? What about when things start tumbling one at a time? Uh, that's when our faith is tested, and it, it, tr it tries our faith. When, um, going back to the book of Job, you know, Job was, was serving God, things were going well. Uh, he loved the Lord. And uh, yet when the devil came to God, basically what he said was anybody can serve God in the sunlight, but you take the blessings away and uh, you put them in hard circumstances and he'll curse you to your face. Of course, that, that isn't what he did, but uh, uh, Job uh, loved God and, and, and was true to God, not just when the sun was shining, but also when everything was stripped away from it. And, and, and faith is... A good way to put it is faith is kind of like a muscle. Uh, if you don't use it, it'll atrophy, and it, it just you know you, you just won't be as strong as it could be. The more it's used, the stronger it gets, and and that's the way it is with with uh, with our faith. The more God tries our faith, the stronger that faith gets. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me to First Peter. 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse, and verse 7. Now, the, the whole book of 1 Peter is written with a theme of, of suffering and difficulty and pain going on when people are trying to do right. And in verse 7 he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than, than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Notice it says that the, the desire is, in the end of verse 7 
is that when we see Christ face to face, that our faith might be found with praise and honor and glory. But it can't be found in praise and honor and glory unless it's put through the fire. And, and the fire is what tries our faith. Uh, you, you, get, you don't get strong in order to suffer. You get strong because you've suffered and because you've gone through some things. Uh, when, when God has proved faithful during a trial, we trust him more. And we trust him more the next time. You know, I, I liken it, I, I liken the trying of our faith to a treasure chest. Uh, every time your faith is, is uh, uh, tried and God proves himself strong in your behalf, you take that experience and you put that in that treasure chest. The next time you go through an, another difficulty, it may be worse, it may not, may not be as bad as the one you went through, you can go back to that treasure chest. You can open it up and you take a look at that trial and you can remember that God was strong in your behalf. And then he takes you through the next one and as he takes you through the next one, you take that one, you go over to the treasure chest, you open up the lid and you put that one, one in. After, after several years, you have got a pile of experiences that you have gone through where time and time and time again, God has shown himself strong on your behalf because he's tried your faith and it's gotten stronger. Another reason why we suffer for doing well. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1, particularly the first 48 verses. And uh, verse 4 says, speaking of the Lord who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We go through things so that we can be a comfort, we can be a blessing to others. It gives us compassion. It gives us mercy uh, when it comes to other people. We're not so quick to judge. We're not so quick to, to criticize. I'm just going to guess and, and this is speculation, and I understand that. But my, 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 uh, my, my guess is that Job's friends probably have never gone through anything even close to the kind of suffering that Job was going through when he had everything taken from him. Um, they, they didn't have understanding. They, did, they certainly didn't have compassion. Well, I guess they had it for the first seven days because they sat there and they kept their mouths shut. But after that, there really wasn't any compassion. I mean, they were ready to nail him to the ground. And uh, uh, what, what going through difficulties and going through suffering does for us is, is that it, it uh, tenderizes our hearts, but it also shows us there's only one person that can get you through. There's only one person who can comfort you during those times. And, you know, invariably... When we go through suffering, we go to people, we go to things, we go to uh, uh, other sources in order to get comfort, and none of it works. It may work for just a little, little while, but there's no real permanent comfort that comes from it. But God is the God of all comfort, and God, God can, can uh, strengthen us and comfort us during those times like no one else, and he does it over and over again so that 
not only can we be comforted, but when you see somebody else going through something. You know, uh, it says down there in verse uh, 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. You don't have to go through exactly what somebody else went through in order to be a comfort to them. People that, that have had problems and difficulties and see somebody else going through the, the same thing, yeah, they can, they can empathize with them, they can sympathize with them, they can, they can uh, understand the struggles they're having. But even if you didn't go through exactly what they did, if you're going through, if you've gone through anything, you've experienced the God of all comfort. And you can point to him and say, you know, uh, the same God who took care of me can take care of you. And one of the things I've noticed that this, that this does, uh, it, when, when, when we go through suffering and God comforts us, and then we see somebody else that's going through some difficulty, and we go and we are able to point to the God of all comfort. You know what that does? That, that brings those, those two people close together. Uh, God's brought a lot of people like that across my path over the years. Um, when, I, I, yeah, when Pastor Keck and I... Uh, spent some time in, in Green Bay together. We, we started out, we were both associate pastors of another church that, that ended up going defunct, and then we, we started uh, First Bible Baptist Church. But we, I don't remember exactly when it was or where it was, but we began to talk to each other and, and, and found out that we had similar backgrounds. He lost his mom when he was 10, I lost my mom when I was 8. And he'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, that was one of the foundation stones that God laid down for us uh, and understanding what we went through uh, t together, uh, you know, apart, but what each of us went through, and, and uh, being able to, 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 uh, uh, to relate on that thing. And particularly when you help somebody else who's going through difficulty, God takes your heart and God takes their heart and puts it together and, and forms a bond like, like no other bond could be formed. And, and, and God allows us to go through suffering so that those things can, can take place. Another, another reason why God allows suffering when we do well is that it's, it's a product of a godly life. I mean, it, it, it is what is the result of having a godly life. Uh, Obedience equals blessing. I think we can all agree with that. If we're obedient, we get blessed. If we're disobedient, we get, we get cursed. That's Deuteronomy 28. And, uh, but oftentimes we look, at, we look at blessing as a trouble-free life. That isn't what the blessing is. The blessing is God being good to us. God supplying for us, God strengthening us. And uh, we get that when we're obedient. Uh, again, that doesn't mean without trials. And really, that's what, that's what the book of 1 Peter is all about, is about the fact that, that suffering takes place even when folks are trying to do right. But can I, can I tell you what, what God does with that testimony? We, when, when, you, when you suffer 
for doing good and suffer right. You know, suffer right. Not complaining, not griping, but, but you, you go to God and God's strong on your behalf. We're, we're a rebuke to two sets of people. Number one, you're a rebuke to a lost world. They can't handle that kind of stuff. They can't handle suffering often. They can't handle difficulty. And, and rightfully so. They don't have God like we do. But secondly, it's also a rebuke to someone who's backslidden. And, and, and I don't mean, you know, when you, when you go through that, you get in their face. You don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, they will, I, I'm convinced that's part of, they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, Jesus said that, that that would happen when our light would shine. Sometimes it's shining even when we're hurting and even when we're suffering. And uh, it, it, over in uh, Psalm 34 and verse 19, it says, Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. It says many of the afflictions of the righteous. You're going, you're, you're, uh, doing right, the product of doing right is going through suffering. But many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of all of them. In other words, God will always be strong on your behalf. Another thing, another reason why we, we suffer for, for doing right. Go to James chapter 1. And this is one we don't like to admit. Uh, I know I don't. When I first saw this, I, I, did, I decided after this, to, uh, uh, after reading this verse, I was never going to ask God for something again, one particular thing. You'll see what it is as soon as we read the verse. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this of the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I read that, and I heard somebody say, uh, if you ask God for patience, this is probably the process he's going to take you through in order to get it. So I decided right then and there, I'm never asking for patience again. But it says, the, the trying of your faith worketh patience. One of the best ways to, to learn patience is to go through suffering. Now, none of us would, would say, oh boy, could you please sign me up? But as we go through those, that suffering and, and that pain and that disappointment, God teaches us patience, and he teaches us patience through endurance. He wants us to endure. He wants us to lean on him. Uh, he wants us to spend more time in prayer. He wants us to spend more time in the book. And, and through that whole process, God, God teaches us patience. Another thing it does is, is, is it gives us an opportunity to grow in wisdom and to grow in understanding. Now, you're in James chapter 1. Just drop down, if you would, to verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all, all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. The context of it is, is temptations, trials, difficulties. And, and he says, when you're in those things, ask God to give you wisdom, because the greatest thing you need during those times is wisdom and understanding. Um, going through suffering, it teaches you how to cry out to God. 
And if you've ever read much of the Psalms, you will come to an understanding that God loves to hear his children cry out to him. And rather than try and handle everything by themselves, they cry out and say, God, if you don't don't help me, I'm a goner. Uh, Would you please, please, Father, help me? Those are, those are sweet words in the Lord's ears. And uh, it, it uh, gives him an opportunity to teach us some wisdom. And it gives him an opportunity to, uh, to uh, teach us some understanding. Um, I, 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 I am no longer ashamed to tell people I, when, when they ask me a question that I don't know the answer. Sometimes I know, know some answers, sometimes I don't. People come up and say, well, what do, you, what do you do when? And usually the what do you do whens are not what do you do when you get a raise. <laughs> it's not usually what do you do when, uh, when you find out uh, your wife is pregnant for the first time. Uh, it, it's usually what do you do when the bottom falls out. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I have, have an answer, and there's some standard answers you can always give. But uh, there are times, I'll be honest, there are times I've, I've, I've seen people go through things I've never gone through, never even come close to going through. Uh, back in Green Bay, I remember showing up in a, on a particular morning, I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday morning, and uh, we pulled up after getting word that this had happened, we pulled up to uh, a person's house, and the house was in ashes. Um, Oh, I've never had that happen. Uh, what do you what do you what do you tell somebody like that? I don't know. You know, honestly, I can understand Job's Job's friend spending seven days uh, not saying anything to him. Uh, that was probably the wisest time they spent because sometimes you just don't know what to say. You don't know what to say, and and what those situations show me is that you know I don't have all the answers. But when you go through suffering and you go through, through pain and hurt, God teaches you things that he couldn't teach you any other way. And you get wisdom and you get understanding that you would never have. Another thing it does is, uh, is that going through suffering when you're, when you're doing right uh, gives you insight to Scripture. Um, you know, when, when, when David lost his son Absalom. His, understand the, 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 the circumstances surrounding that. Even, you know, we say, oh, that was a terrible time because he cried out, my son, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, would God that I had, could die for thee, oh, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Uh, and you look at that and you say, man, I, I don't, you know, I've never gone through that kind of heart-wrenching thing. I think that was heart-wrenching, but I also think getting run out of Jerusalem by your own son was pretty heart-wrenching. And, uh, and yet God, God used those, those things to, to uh, give him some insight. And what God does through, through suffering to us, it opens up Scripture for us that we wouldn't, we wouldn't see otherwise. Um, I, I, I talk with you folks constantly on a continual basis. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come up to me and say this, Pastor... I don't know how many times I've read that passage of Scripture and never saw fill in the blank. And every time one of you folks... By the way, I love hearing those things, so come see me every time you find one, okay? But I love it. I really do. 
But uh, uh, what, what, what is going on? Well, I'll tell you some of the times, and a lot of the times what's going on, is that you're going through some trouble. You're going through some pain. You open up the book, and you're hungry. I mean, when, I, when I've gone through times of pain and suffering, I get hungry. And I don't mean, I don't mean for food. I get hungry for a promise from God. I get hungry for an assurance. And what that does is that it opens up Scripture to us that we wouldn't have understood, we wouldn't have grasped. Uh, There's promises in that book that if you hadn't suffered, you never would have claimed them. You never would have seen God strong in that particular area of your life. Another thing that it, that uh, that suffering for doing doing right and doing good does is it gives us opportunities to express real joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is is our strength, is my strength. Um, it's it's our strength not just during times of 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 rejoicing, but it's also our strength during times of suffering. Take your Bibles and turn to Second. Corinthians, we were there just a moment ago. Go back to it. Second Corinthians chapter chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. And and look down in verse look down in verse nine. <clears throat> we hit this this morning, we're hitting it again tonight. But I, I, I never cease to marvel at this verse. Uh, Paul had the thorn in the flesh, asked God to remove it. After the third request, he gets an answer. Verse 9, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now that's God talking to Paul. Then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. It doesn't say except. It doesn't say be resigned to. He says glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And uh, uh, you, you go, in fact, take your Bibles. Go, go with me over to Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. And again, we read this this morning as well. Verse, verse 3, it says, And not only so, Romans 5, 3, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the, the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And that, that shows you that your love grows when you go through those things, and you go through those things properly with the right attitude. But again, he said, I glory in those things. Um, God, God gives us God gives us opportunities to express real joy. Anybody can express joy when the blessings and when the, the 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 good times are flowing strong. But what about what about when you're hurting? What about when you're suffering? Uh, that's when your real joy is tapped. Uh, the joy of the Lord. Is our strength, and and by the way, um, that's what makes us stick out to the world. The world can't understand that, and that that gives us opportunities and gives us open doors to be a witness and a testimony uh, to folks without Christ. 
Another thing that it, that it does, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is addressing Timothy, who is his son in the faith. And uh, down in verses um, 3 and 4, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, obviously, he's talking about a guy who's doing right. He's talking about a guy who's who's uh, on the right side of the battle, and he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. It makes us good soldiers, and it teaches us how, how to endure hardness. Hardness is going to come, uh, and that hardness hurts. That hardness breaks our hearts sometimes. That, that, that hardness causes us to suffer, but it toughens us up, and, and it, it causes us to be strong in, in ways that we would not be strong otherwise. Uh, another thing it does is, is that, uh, and go with me over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Familiar passage to many. Um, it's, uh, honestly, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a favorite verse. I don't even know if I've got a top 10. I think I've got a top 45 or 50. But... Uh, this is, this is one of those verses that God has used in my life over and over and over again. I have used it in other people's lives uh, it, to, to be a blessing. You know, I think when, whenever you approach someone else who is suffering, uh, if you do it with the right attitude, you'll be a blessing. If you do it with the wrong attitude, you'll be a big fat pain in the neck. <laughs> it's just, that's, just, that's just the way that it works. And, and uh, it, has, it has to do with where is your heart at the time? Are you just, you know, just trying to straighten somebody out? That's really what, that's really what Job's so-called comforters tried to do. They just tried to straighten him out. Uh, he needed somebody to be a comfort and a help and a blessing. And these verses really have, have been used of God to be a blessing to me over and over again. Verse 28, we know that all things work together. We know. We don't think. We, not hope, we don't just hope. We know. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, the, the conformity to the image of his Son is what God's doing in verse 28 with the all things. And that, those, that suffering during doing good makes us Christ-like. Now, for us, it causes us to follow in his footsteps, because that's what he did. He suffered when he was doing, doing right and doing good, uh, coming to this earth to die for us. Um, there, was a, there was a song. I heard it this morning when I was getting ready. And, and I, I can't give you the words to it. I just, I just and some of you know it. Um, it's a, I think it's a more modern song. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, to, uh, about Christ saving a sinner like me. Uh, and and uh, man, I was listening to the, the words of that song while I was shaving this morning. And I started crying. 
I mean, tears came down my face, welled up my eyes. Um, I, I, you know, I've been saved for over 50 years. I still, I still don't understand, really, the love of Christ. I really don't. I know what I've done to him. I know I've disappointed him over and over and over again. And uh, yet he was willing to die for me. He loves me. Um, what suffering for doing good does is it makes us more like him. And uh, it, 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 it causes, for us, what it does is it chips away the stuff that isn't like Jesus Christ. And uh, it, it causes those things to pass off by the wayside so that we can be conformed to his image. And then the last thing, and I don't really have a scripture for it. It's just true all, all the way across the board. Uh, and, and that is that suffering for doing good reminds us who's in control. God is. God's the one who's in control. God's the one who's sovereign. And uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah God uses a, an illustration. The illustration is a potter and the clay. And he said, he basically said, should the, should the clay tell the potter how to mold and make them? And of course the answer to that is no. No. The potter is the one who's in control. Well, the analogy that's given there is that God is a potter and we are the clay. And uh, uh, we, we need to be surrendered to him on, on the wheel of life. Uh, are, you, are you surrendered to the one who's in control? And uh, that whole business about the sovereignty of God and about the wisdom and the, and the understanding of God, of him allowing us to go through the things that we go through, uh, helps us to see that, listen, we're not in control. Uh, he is in control. We start thinking we're somebody, and we start thinking we've got some things figured out in life. And uh, then some things come along that we've never, we've never experienced before. And the hurt goes deeper than it's ever been before. And the, the, uh, uh, the, the pain is harder than we've ever had to deal with before. And, and uh, through that whole thing, God just shows us, he reminds us, it's kind of like hitting the reset button again and saying, hey, remember, I'm in control, you are not in control. And, and why, sh why, sh why should we marvel at, at all of this? Because Christ went through what he went through for us. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm done. So read a verse of Scripture and a passage of Scripture and pray, and we're, we're done tonight. But go to 1 Peter 2. And rather than giving you my concluding words, I think, I think the best words to conclude this message are found in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, again, verse 20, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 25. It says, For what glory is it? If, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. You know, you do wrong, you, you mess up, you make a wrong judgment, and you say, well, I was patient. Well, whoop de doo uh, it, it says, but if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, 
who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for setting the example for us. Thank you for showing us how to suffer, how to go through pain, how to go through disappointment. Boy, there was time and time again some of those that were the closest to you disappointed you. Some that were the closest to you betrayed you. Some that were the closest to you turned their back on you. And then, as a, a sinless, as the sinless Son of God, God in the flesh, you laid down on a cross and allowed men to put nails in your hands and nails in your feet and eventually a spear in your side. You did nothing wrong. You only did right. And then we scratch our head when we do right and something happens that brings us suffering and pain and hurt. Uh, Lord, we're just following your, in your steps and help us to understand we're called to that. That's part of our calling. But help us to do it properly. Help us to do it right. God, without your grace, without your mercy, without your help, without your strength, we can't handle any of that stuff. But Lord, it is so, so vitally important that whenever we go through any of those things that bring sorrow, that bring pain, that bring suffering, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, emotional, spiritual, makes no difference. All hurts. It is so, so important that we respond right. Help us to see that you're working in our lives and trying to be a blessing to us and strengthen us, not weaken us, through your grace. Bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts tonight. Maybe there's something that kind of plucked at someone's heartstring tonight. May they spend some time at an old-fashioned altar just talking to you about it. I'm thankful, Lord, that you always bend an ear and that you always enjoy hearing your children cry out to you. Bless this invitation. Have your will and wait, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.